welcome to the next episode of the Compete Waffle. My name's Alicia. I'm an advanced sports dietitian and co-founder of Compete Nutrition. Wowzers, what a month it has been in our lives. There have been so many changes to how we live our life, uh, the challenges that we now have on a daily basis, but also the different conversations and different contextual um, opportunities we have are really, really impacting how we're doing exercise, what we're eating, uh, and also how we're considering our progress points from here on. Now, one point that has come up a lot is exercise. So uh, what kind of exercise should I be doing? Uh, is it okay to do high intensity exercise? What should my load be like? Uh, what's that impact on immune function? How do I recover? All these types of things. Now we are first to admit exercise is not our expertise. We are all about performance nutrition. So for this podcast, we are getting in an absolute expert in the field. And that is the only way to put it. David Pine or Piney, as you'll hear me call him throughout the podcast, is someone I got to work with while I worked at the Australian Institute of Sport a few years ago. Uh, he was a researcher and uh, sports physiologist at the AIS for from 1987 all the way to 2016. So an incredible powerhouse of knowledge. He's got a special interest in immune function and it's the impact that exercise has on it. Uh, and so when we talk through some concepts today, he'll talk a lot around the exercise side. We'll come up with a few little concepts within nutrition, but he is an amazing uh, practitioner that stays in his lane. So you'll hear him refer to um, talking to experts around sports nutrition like the dietitians um, that he works with instead of delving too much into that nutrition piece. So lots of exercise side of things today um, in this podcast, the impact that exercise has on your immune function, what your immune function even refers to, the um, influence of inflammation uh, and what we need to do to protect and strengthen our immune function. And he is so practical and pragmatic in his responses to really knuckle it down and give you three main concepts that we need to be considering over these times you know immune function and its impact on performance isn't new it's always something that we are talking about we're talking through our athletes with and uh, it's now that it's just really contextual to the greater population so a lot of the research has been done uh, in the athlete and elite athlete particularly in the lead up to key events or at times of high travel uh, and we're really excited to bring that to you today so Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, a reminder that we do have an epic conference coming up. Lock in the dates of the 31st of this month, April, and the 1st of May. Uh, and it will be a virtual conference where we bring in some international names that have blown our minds, made me cry a few times um, in a really good way, uh, to talk to you all about performance. Uh, and that is performance for the practitioner um, and performance for the athlete. We bring in some science, but we also bring in a lot of inspiration and a lot of resilience messages. So really excited to bring that to you. Please look, lock in those dates and we'll link to the um, conference webpage on these podcast notes as well. So you can actually see and lock in your um, tickets. So thank you so much, everyone. Really looking forward to um, sharing those couple of days with you. But without further ado, enjoy this podcast. Cheers. David Pine, thank you so much for um, joining us on the Compete Waffle. Thanks, Alicia. Good to be here. 
Uh, you're a legend. I um, reached out to you for one very good reason that there's been a lot of discussion around immune function uh, on social media and obviously on all stations lately um, with the current COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, and there was a lot of um, inaccuracies or myths that I was seeing. And I was like, I need to talk to an expert in this space and get their voice to um, many when it comes to athletes, but also practitioners. So thank you so much for joining us because I'm sure you've got plenty to share. Oh, that's fine. I mean, obviously, this uh, issue is front and centre mm. for all of us now across society. But I think in terms of uh, probably your listeners, you know, these are sort of basic issues around healthy eating and good training and good performance, both on the field and off the field. So I think, you know, this is just one of these key areas. And COVID-19 just really accentuates the importance of you know, managing your diet and your training and your lifestyle as well as you can. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's the really nice thing about um, this opportunity is that we can bring so much into the conversation and it isn't something that will lose context. It's always something that we're looking at um, and talking about with our athletes. Uh, and you've just got a lot to um, obviously offer in that space. Would you like to go through a bit of your story, Piney? So what you originally were up to um, all the way through to where you are now? Sure. Well, I guess... Uh... I had a long career as a practitioner, as a sports scientist in the exercise physiology sports performance uh, space. And my academic studies were in this real question that we're addressing today around exercise, healthy living and immune function with a focus on sort of the training that athletes do. So it was a great opportunity for me to sort of bring together both um, the background research with the everyday questions, you know, working with the, the athletes and coaches uh, over the journey. And a lot of that work uh, was with the Australian swimming high performance community. So mm. the Australian swimming team, which I had a, a long involvement with and still a bit behind the scenes in a sort of consulting advisory role. So certainly getting down with the coaches and athletes, you know, in the training and in competition and travel. So. A great opportunity and great journey there with with athletes uh, for many years and along the way i've really worked in a multi-team environment you know working alongside psychologists um, the sports nutritionists and dietitians uh, the sports medicine practitioners and so that's not a new thing i mean obviously these days it's all around you know, these big support teams in the football codes and in the high performance space so again, I've always sort of been in that environment. So working alongside dietitians, you know, as an exercise scientist myself mm. and dealing with the issues of coaches and athletes, but having the opportunity to do some of the background research work. And I'm still doing that now. So I'm a, a full-time researcher at the University of Canberra. So not mm. working full-time in the high-performance sports community, but as I said, doing quite a lot of consulting and advising. So staying connected is really important. Yeah, that's amazing. And it's really cool to see um, so much of your studies being continually published. You've always kind of been in that space of the immune function around exercise. And I noticed a paper, um, was it last year or the year before, on periodization and its impacts on immune function. I, I loved reading it. And then I was like, oh, now I can't remember the year, but it was recent. Yeah, that's right. And obviously, you know, being a, a researcher uh, over the journey, particularly now with a university appointment, so, you know, there's a lot of focus on those scientific publications. Um, but actually, now that you can track uh, these things fairly carefully in terms of, you know, reads and views and citations, and some of the work that I've really published more um, out in 
the general media um, has attracted you know, more interest and more citations than some of my real scholarly work. And I'm sure other scientists you know, would say the same thing. So you mentioned there about periodization, and we might cover a few of these issues today. So looking at these sort of basic questions around training and the relationship between the training that athletes do across all sorts of sports, and every sport you know, has its place, and obviously staying well. So the sort of global level, it's uh, training and eating, you know, the dietary practices and staying healthy to train and perform. And periodization, you know, there's been a lot said and discussed around that interest uh, in sports, both individual and team sports. Mm. And, you know, what are the influences of periodization and training loads on immune function? And so athletes yeah. can train hard and uh, compete well. Yeah, it's a really big topic. And I think there's a lot of confusion uh, at all levels about what we should all be um, doing in terms of exercise to manage our immune function and hopefully minimise the risk of us getting sick. Um, so when we're looking at training intensity and overall load, uh, what are the things to consider and how does it impact our immune function? Well, that's right. I guess, yeah, there's sort of three issues that interact here. So one is the training that we can talk about now. Mm. Uh, second one is obviously the, the dietary practices. So it's the everyday eating and then it's the eating in and around training and competition and it's the whole mm. supplements and the whole world of immune boosters, which <laughs> we'll come to shortly. And the third element really is around exposure. And obviously that's front and centre now with COVID-19. Yeah. You know, athletes get a lot of education around hygiene and mm. uh, self-management around their sleep practices and particularly about hygiene sharing of drink bottles and all that. So really, I guess they're the three main areas that impact on, uh, I guess, your health status and your immune function. So training loads, the diet and the exposure. But we start with the first of those around the training loads. And again, you know, the sports scientists listening in today will know that there's been a lot written and discussed, but in simple terms, we can think about training in three ways. So one is uh, the volume. Uh, that people do and that's sort of easier to conceptualize in sports like you know, triathlon running cycling swimming rowing we are counting kilometers or laps or distance covered so those endurance sports and certainly I guess for a lot of the sports enthusiasts listening in them and they're pretty popular pastimes it's a bit hard to do at the moment out by yourself on the road but uh, certainly it's easy to think about training volume and obviously you know to get fit and be competitive you've got to um, be pretty dedicated and undertake a fair amount of training. So in some ways, it's the easier thing to think about. The second factor there is the training intensity. Yep. So I guess, yeah, again, people would have this sort of notion that, you know, you can bowl along training at a fairly easy level, um, you know, going for an easy run or an easy cycle or swimming easy laps in the pool or sitting on a bike in the gym and just ticking over. Uh, but obviously, we know that competitive sports, it's all around, you know, the different types of training, the interval training and the high intensity training and the repeat sprint training. Mm -hmm. So we know that uh, that is what you need to do to be a successful competitive athlete. Mm. Uh, and even now in the general fitness industry, that there's a lot of focus on high intensity interval training. So it has its place both for you know, competitive athletes and even those of us just trying to keep fit. So this notion about training intensity is certainly a key one. Mm. It's a bit harder to actually monitor that. So how do you know or how do you monitor or prescribe your training intensity? So, uh, and again, that'll sort of vary by sport. So it's obviously in some sports, you can sit there on a bike and look at your cadence or your power outputs or the stopwatch, you know, how, what uh, time you're running in terms of your kilometres. Mm. 
It's a bit harder in team sports. So if you're a footy player or a netball player and you're doing your team practices or even in games, how you might actually rate that. And there are other subjective systems. The, the session RPE, again, is probably known to a lot of your listeners there. So that's a way where you can actually just subjectively rate. So there are ways to rate the intensity. And I guess the other thing that's come in the last 10 years has been all the smart sensors. So all the, the sports watches and the accelerometers in the GPS. So there are ways you can actually get a handle on how hard you're training. And again, we probably won't go into all the detail here, but there's, you can even divide that into internal loads and external loads. Yeah, right. Uh, and then the third element in that training is the load itself. And again, without getting too scientific, it's the, the combination or the product, if you like, mm. of the volume and the intensity. So if you're training with high volume and high intensity, that's a high training load. So sure. most athletes know how to vary that. And that's where the periodization comes in. So it's all cyclical in terms of volume, intensity, and load. Yeah, fantastic. And so when we're looking at immune function, where do we see an impact? Um, and is there an easy way for us to know that we've gone too hard or done too much? And is there a turning you know, point that we can be really aware of? Well, I guess it's the two sides. As I was mm -hmm. saying there, Alicia, I guess mm -hmm. three key factors are training, diet, yeah and exposure mm. but they all influence i guess your health status and your immune function mm. but the reality is it's just maintaining good health or to be yeah. free of illness mm. so that's what people know and obviously while things are going well people are training hard living their life working hard and if they're healthy and there's no illness uh then you know they'll tend to continue on but obviously it's periods where you run into health problems and obviously we're dealing with that now again in terms of covid so often it's the history or the self-reported history of athletes. So again, you know, the, the medically minded would talk about, you know, the epidemiology or the patterns of illness. Yeah. And so all of us know that, you know, so what are our individual histories? So some people are pretty healthy and hopefully, you know, we're all uh, doing the right things. We're in pretty good health, uh, but it's an individual thing. So again, it's your, your background history mm -hmm. as an individual as in childhood and then early adulthood and then through into middle age. And I guess into your older years. So everyone will have a sense of their own history and that can be documented, you know, medically and working with the GP or your sports medicine practitioner. Uh, but I guess it's being preventative. So athletes know that sometimes when they train hard or around competition. So, and there's about 15%, so based on our work at the Australian Institute of Sport, there's about one in seven athletes that have a higher than average level of illnesses per year. So those athletes actually self-identify and they're quick to put their hand up. Mm. And then there's probably the majority that just get the odd illness. It's an inconvenience unless yeah. it strikes at the time of competition or <laughs> milestone in your life. Like, yeah, why is that, Piney? Why do we get sick? Why do we get sick right before a key event? What, what's happening there? I think it's the combination of the training loads that we said mm. everyone trains harder before a big event. Mm. And it's probably the psychological stress. So when you're getting ready for a competition, and you know, we talk a lot about Olympics and Hmm. world championships and grand finals but i think it's quite individual so hmm. even if you're just an amateur athlete getting ready for you know wednesday night mixed netball semi-final you know there's a bit of pressure on there so it's that whole sort of psychological stress you know pre-competition anxiety and the, the other element there is the exposure and again that's the covid thing now so trying to minimize exposure so for big sports you know, again it's the olympics you know now been delayed for next year for tokyo but if you come into contact with large crowds, you know, even here in Australia as a spectator or an official or as a competitor, that's a risk in itself. So I think that's why we've seen that interest around 
competition and it's the probably the risks of high training loads anxiety and increased exposure to common illnesses yeah that's really interesting and i think that's really nice to kind of come back to it's still about the basics even though there is a higher risk right now it's still about those basics of avoiding exposure to start with and that's why obviously that social distancing aspect of the messaging that we're getting so much of is the key message with the higher risk at the moment uh and obviously that social distancing piece um is there is it still okay to do high intensity exercise piney is that something that we can continue doing and you know how do we know what balance is right there yeah i don't think the message has changed there so those of us who lead busy lives uh or who are doing lots of exercise and obviously some of those are just the weekend warriors you know aren't actually in, in competitive sports and you know i've sort of focused my professional career on yeah, you know, the accredited athletes and working in and around, you know, the teams and the athletes. Uh, but we know, you know, they're small in number, you know, the people we see on TV and, you know, it's the great majority out there hammering along. And some of those, you know, probably got busy family lives, busy work yeah. lives and, and push hard. Mm. So, you know, it does depend on, on your situation. Uh, and that's why I guess everyone's got to just take stock of who they are and where they go and what they're doing. But the message would be for people to probably continue doing what they have done and then, the old sort of adage there about just being mindful of not trying to increase it too much so again for people starting off either from doing no exercise that have been sedentary or they get pretty motivated and join a gym or a club or a fitness group uh, or a boot camp or you know get involved with competitive sports so those messages about just um, you know increasing slowly and uh, cycling the, uh, the increase of that idea of periodization so you don't just keep increasing, you know, for the first three or four weeks of your fitness program because you'll get sore, tired and busted up and maybe then your immune function will be a bit all over the place as well. So those messages aren't new now. So I guess because a lot of the, the top level athletes are now really restricted and have to train you know, individually. So there's a lot of things that have been put in place in these last few weeks around COVID to make sure athletes have programs, but there's probably a lot of instruction and reminders about managing themselves terms of how they uh, manipulate their training and tending to good diet and good lifestyle habits. Fantastic. And I think like, you know, when we're looking at that, when you talk about immune function, Piney, what are you referring to? How is that measured and how can we um, be really aware of what that is? So I think there's a lot of confusion in the messaging, um, a lot of uh, messaging around boosting immune function and all these types of languages. Would you be able to clear up what immune function actually is? Sure. Well, human immune system is a complex network of immune cells, so those white blood cells, and a range of uh, proteins or the antibodies that circulate uh, in the bloodstream and in the lymphatic system, and a range of other physical barriers. The skin is the most prominent of those, but also other surfaces that line the respiratory tract, so so-called mucosal surfaces, uh, and even like within the respiratory system, the cilia which are the hair-like um, structures um, that run down into the, you know, the lower respiratory uh, tract. So the immune system is comprised of both you know, cellular, so the white blood cells and the soluble components to provide the host defense. And that's largely to fight off uh, the pathogens. So obviously we're thinking about the viral illnesses foremost at the moment. Uh, and they're probably the most common presentation. So we know there's a family of coronaviruses, but there's other viruses, the adenoviruses, the CMV, the cytomegaloviruses. So again, 
you know, the medically trained listening in would know that there's a whole range of viruses that all of us in the community have come into contact in, in the past. Epstein-Barr virus is another one. Um, and there's bacterial infections, which are a bit less common, but occasionally yeah. they do come in. If you cut your hand or you graze your knee playing sport, then yeah. you can get uh, the, the bacterial infection and inflammation. And obviously things like parasitic, you know, infections, which is a bit less common in Australia. Uh, and also fungal infections like tinea, which again, people have probably had some issue with at some point in their life. So the immune system is to provide the host defense against those invading pathogens, but also against tissue damage. So in sports, it's the inflammation and the, you know, the chronic overuse injuries that we might see, you know, in those individual sports or maybe, you know, in a tennis player, you know, that's the old golfer's elbow or tennis elbow. So the other role of the immune system is to um, repair tissue. So that's an ongoing process. And athletes who train hard, you know, you always got a little bit of tissue damage there. Yeah. And a little bit of tissue remodeling, both soft tissue and also bone health. So that's the role of the immune system. So all those cells and proteins and the skin is to provide that host defense against pathogens and to repair tissue. Fantastic. I think you really highlighted there that it's got a very important role. It's definitely not something that we want to um, dampen or um, make sure that it's always functioning. And I guess that's where all that messaging is coming from. You mentioned in there a couple of times another buzzword, which is inflammation. So how does inflammation uh, really um, translate? Like, what's the context between inflammation and immune function? Well, inflammation is obviously part of that tissue repair process. So, uh, and that's how the body's response is to clear damaged tissue. So it's a localized inflammatory response mm -hmm. involving you know, increased perfusion of blood that brings in all those immune cells um, to do their job. So they obviously break down the damaged tissue or the poison tissue or the toxins. Uh, so inflammation is a good thing to help the body maintain uh, good function and form, but obviously it's the balance. So the immune system, which has evolved you know, over human existence, you know, it really has to operate, you know, within certain limits. So it lies pretty dormant or inactive until we need it. And so when we do come into contact with a virus or we hurt our knee, uh, then we do want the immune system to be upregulated. And so then there's a heightened immune response uh, and inflammation is part of that. So normally we don't want a lot of inflammatory activity, but when we need it, then we call on that. And so it's this balance. And in most people, that works really well. So a healthy immune system will uh, maintain that. So when we need to call on that, our immune system is upregulated for a few days. There'll be a short managed inflammatory process and then it's all downregulated. So if we go back to the viral illness. Um, the course of that, if you know you get a common cold, it's sort of like a few days to a week, maybe 10 days if it hangs around. And so that's the immune system doing its thing. So when you come into contact, the virus and then you, you succumb to a viral illness you know you have a couple of days of symptoms and then you the systems will resolve uh and then you're back to full health you say within a week um and so that's that inflammatory process it's all around this pro-inflammatory anti-inflammatory balance so again you know the people who've done a bit of reading around this probably seen some of these terms so yeah. most people that all works really well but in some people we have these autoimmune diseases where you know they, they lose control of that and the, the inflammation processes run amok. And that's part of the, uh, the coronavirus. So if you get that viral pneumonia and you're getting this cytokine storm, so you know, after a week, if your immune system can't manage that, then you obviously then you're dealing with some pretty significant health issues around 
viral pneumonia and that's that cytokine storm where the inflammatory process run out of control, your immune system is attacking your own tissues. That is such a good explanation. Thank you so much, David. I, I really appreciate that. And I know a lot of listeners are going to find that very valuable because it's very hard to find a good explanation and you have just nailed it. So thank you. I um, would love to kind of work through now the nutrition piece within all of this um, and its impact on immune function. What would you say are the core things that we should be um, thinking about when we're thinking about that nutrition piece in immune function and that second you know, pillar, if you like, of considering this? Sure, and I'll go back to our opening discussion there, Alicia, uh, around you know, working in these multidisciplinary teams. So again, I've you know, been very fortunate to work alongside a lot of uh, sports dietitians. Uh, and so they're front and centre in terms of uh, healthy eating. And we talk a lot about everyday uh, healthy eating habits. So I know there's been this tendency in sport to go for the supplements. So in terms of you know, in recent times, you know, every, all of us live in terms of social media and the general media and the messages that are bombarded around there. So it is quite tricky for athletes where to go to get good advice. Uh, and I'm in the same boat. So I guess I've learned a lot by working alongside some really good people, you know, in the sports industry. And so I defer to their expertise. You know, I come in a bit on the side and I've collaborated with uh, the dietitians. Uh, and my area around is you know, exercise science and immune function and immunonutrition. Um, but I need to have worked with uh, sports medicine practitioners and some of my clinical immunology colleagues. So we all have our sort of role in here, but people who really want to focus on their diet need to be accessing good information. So obviously Australia's pretty well set up and well served by sports dietitians. And I'm sure you know, you've been a champion promoter uh, of that. So I'm echoing those messages around just healthy eating and the good habits are the fundamentals, if you like. And sometimes yeah. that's not what people want to hear. I mean, they want to hear, you know, where's the, the sort of the, the one percenter, yeah. you know, how can I make a difference? And so, you know, I have a lot of respect for dietitians because uh, I think it's been a bit of a, a challenge there because people just want to do, you know, the old shortcut type scenario. They don't necessarily want to, it's all just basic fundamentals. It's all about macronutrients, you know, carbs, protein, fats and you know vegetables and fruits but the reality is if i look at both my practical work and i look at the what the research tells us it really circles back at the end of the day it's just a good habits yeah yeah i love that ah oh, you're a legend and it is it's those those big rocks if you like that can be really boring at the start but it's those you know small habits that feel really small at the start and you feel like oh, i'm not really doing anything i'm not seeing those changes straight away it's not magic but then it adds up to this really cool effect over the long term and so it is you know those big rocks of carbohydrate availability is an interesting one Heine. can you talk through a bit about that and its impact on immune function yeah it's a good example isn't it so yeah. i guess my way in is say you know people don't necessarily want to listen to the boring old he's another yeah. sports nutrition lecture yeah even with exciting formats like podcasts and everything that we can get our hands on we these days. <laughs> we can try and we keep trying. But I guess my way in there is to, okay, let's just have the conversation around, put it in context of, so you talk with athletes. So all right, now what's your sport? What level are you at? Talk about your training. You know, maybe talk about your typical week. So how does your busy week fill up with you know, your sport, um, your training and your diet? And you sort of let them lead you into, and it's important information to say, okay, who am I dealing with? What do they do? What level are they at? And then you can sort of talk and try and uh, interrelate their dietary practices with their training loads 
and maybe their lifestyle in terms of how busy they are and uh, those things. So that's my sort of way in. So yeah, we're not going to do the 101 lecture. So just take carbs as the example there. Yeah. Delicious. So we know that's one of the primary macronutrients. And again, there's been a lot said and done, and I'm sure you've covered this many times in these various forums that you, in the space that you work in. So everyone's got a sense, okay, carbs are important. And I know there's the whole debate around high carbs and low carbs that, you know, is probably a detailed discussion for another time. But oh, mate, carbs, isn't it? <laughs> you've made a, made a professional existence out of this, haven't you? So yeah. carbs are in there and, you know, there is a role in terms of the immune system as well. So carbs are important for training, again, more or less depending on individuals and sports in the training loads. So you've got to work through that. But, and they're important for energy supply because we know, particularly in those endurance sports, that it's front and centre in terms of the primary injury contributions. And then in team sports, if they're out, you know, training twice the day for 60 to 90 minutes, plus their weight room work, you know, plus the on-field or the on-court stuff. So I think, you know, most of the, the sports dietitians, the conventional approach is, yes, you need to pay attention to carb intake. And that will vary again on training loads, as we said before. But in terms of then the immune function, it is important. So I go back to that discussion around the all-important white blood cells, so the, the T cells uh, that provide a lot of the um, protection, the host protection, and the, the B cells. So all those immune cells, they require the same things as a muscle cell in simplified ways. So I'm oversimplifying. They need water. They need electrolytes like salt and sodium, potassium and chloride. And their fuel source uh, is glucose. The primary fuel source is glucose. And so, you know, you're a white blood cell. It's the same as a muscle cell. So in terms of carbohydrate requirements for muscles to work, but also for the immune system. So there's been a lot of work done around carbohydrate loading. Um, and these days, you know, it's evolved on to like sleep low and low carb, high carb, and periodized in and around training, high intensity, uh, maybe endurance or recovery sessions. And as you said, well, done a lot of work in that space with other dietitians and research scientists. And it's in the mix. So it's probably one of those sort of middle level considerations, Alicia. Mm -hmm. I think you get, need to yeah. look at basic dietary intake, what you have every day. But there is probably a, a finer level discussion around athletes with their pre-game meals and their post-training and game meals and looking at how they mix the carbs in there. Yeah, fantastic. And um, you've done a little bit of work on probiotics as well. Did you want to talk about that or do you want to leave that? <laughs> no, that's another very topical one. Uh, again, yeah. that's not a new thing. Uh, so there's a lot of interest in probiotics. And again, in the sort of food supplements and ingredients space, you don't have to switch on your TV, you know. So you get a lot of, a lot of questions um, around that. And even, say, in this current environment around what can I do in terms of good immune function. So I guess that's our basic discussion today. So my simple answer would be, well, pay attention to your basic diet first. So it's that food first approach. And I'm not the first one to have used that term. So that's coming from our sports dietitian in the community. So food first approach. And then you can look at maybe this mix of secondary things. So around vitamin mineral supplements, other ergogenic aids, protein powders, and probiotics, the one that commonly mentioned and I've as you uh, indicated there been in this area as a researcher and then a practitioner for you know, probably over 10 years now uh, and so they're in they're in the mix um, yeah they're probably making a small improvement or small variable benefits so it's not going to necessarily be a big influence I think your basic eating patterns 
have a bigger factor. But I think probiotics are probably something else that you could look at. And I think there the evidence is around small positive benefits. So we give them a, a bit of a tick as something that people should look at if they have uh, sort of the GI, the gastrointestinal problems, because uh, that's obviously around the gut health and the microbiome and the good and bad bacteria. So for those people who do have a bit of a history of cramping and gas, maybe diarrhea, you know, when they're training hard. So that's certainly something that dietitians and sports medicine practitioners would look at in terms of probiotics. And the other one is more just the prophylactics. So just taking that as an everyday, like I guess a lot of people do with vitamins and minerals. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the two things that we've looked at both uh, for those with GI problems and those who are just looking for an everyday supplement, if you like. Fantastic. And I, I think like when we're looking at all this indoor stuff at the moment, I know this probably won't be in context always, but it probably will be if we're thinking about summer training as well as humid training and indoor training. The more and more that we're training indoors now, is that adding any extra thermal stress um, and will that impact immune function? Well, we've also done a bit of work around that because we deal with that all the time and certainly in the leading to Tokyo 2020 or 2021 as it'll be now. Um, you know, there's been a lot of work done by Olympic uh, teams, so coaches, athletes, and their supporters around training in the heat. In Australia, you know, we deal with that a lot because you know we have hot summers just a bit everywhere, and obviously in the northern parts of Australia, you know, you're dealing with you know hot, humid weather, you know, for quite extended periods of time. So that's challenging on a number of fronts uh, in terms of thermal stress uh, and obviously fluid hydration. So again, you know, it's another topic of conversation um so now that we've got people moving as we move into the autumn into the winter who might be training indoors um but i think that's probably a pretty minor risk really so you know if you're on your wind trainer and you know you've got your laptop going and you're zooming in with others and there's lots of software platforms you can do all this sort of stuff uh i won't mention all the commercial names but um I think those things are probably fairly minimal risk. So even if you're in your laundry and you've got the heaters cranked up, which some people do, getting ready for a Hawaiian Ironman if you're doing that in June in Australia. Yeah. So, you know, I think they're around, going back to my sort of three main elements, you know, you look at the training that you're doing, you're managing your, your, your diet and you're probably looking at your lifestyle habits there. It's probably low risk. So I wouldn't be too perturbed around that and it probably leans more on the diet than the training is the main things to watch. Yeah, I love that. And I love that we can kind of keep coming back to those three elements because it's really easy. It's very practical advice. And I think sometimes we can overlook those really simple, big blocks when it comes to wanting an answer. And there's no necessary magic fix here. Um, it's a combination of all those three overarching concepts of that training load, but also nutrition and then obviously minimising your exposure. So are there any other things that we've missed in our discussion today, Piney, that you would like to cover um, or think it's important, particularly at this time, um, that people know about? Well, just to sort of finish the discussion around exposure, and it's interesting to me that uh, I guess a lot of those measures that we've done in the past with uh, some of our learning athletes travelling overseas, either with organised teams, you know, for training camps or major competitions, or athletes just heading off independently, or even, I guess, ourselves um, in terms of just travel. Uh, and we know that there's always those travel precautions going away. So that's not a new thing. I mean, it's been around for a long time, uh, around hand hygiene, around uh, obviously being very careful about local water supply, so drinking bottled water, 
and obviously minimizing exposure. So, and I'm thinking of all my experiences on the road. And so we did go to quite a lot of lengths to make sure, you know, athletes weren't disappearing into you know, big crowded spaces. So, you know, a few days before a world championship event, it's probably not good to go to you know, a really busy restaurant or to a cinema or a shopping centre. Uh, so that minimising exposure has always sort of been there in the mix. But now we're doing that at home. So that's here, all of us minimising exposure to so the social distancing thing and the hand hygiene. So in the past, you know, we've given attention to that when we've gone away. And I think Australians, because we've got such a good standard of living and good hygiene practices, you haven't need to worry about it in Australia, um, but we're all facing that now. So I guess that might be a legacy of you know, this current um, issue that we're dealing with around you know, the hygiene and the social distancing. Uh, but it probably brings then the focus back to how athletes are preparing. So again, our sort of discussion here around you know, training diet exposure. So it just reemphasises the importance of those basic factors, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. It's really interesting because we've got um, three young um, kids and they now have like the word sanitizer in their vocabulary, which they definitely didn't do before or, you know, talking about viruses and whatnot and washing hands is just so much more part of their day-to-day -day life, even though we already did some part of that. It's just ramped up completely. So yeah, I, I do think it's going to carry on um, in terms of our overall hygiene. Um, thank you so much, Piney. That was a really cool chat and I loved all your practical tips and also um, just how easy it was to come back to that core and your explanation of inflammation and immune function I know is just going to be so, so helpful. So thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. It has been a challenging uh, period through the summer and now into the autumn and obviously you know we've got uh, the winter ahead but we're certainly encouraging yeah. athletes uh, and all of us to maintain good health and I think exercise is an important part of that and again you know these things are changing pretty quickly in terms of what you can and can't do and where you can do it mm. uh, but it comes back to those three factors so whether you're elite athlete preparing maybe to get back into competition and training as soon as possible or you're an Olympian now that you've got another year yeah. or 15 months to prepare uh, but all of us I think you know these issues as troubling as the the COVID emergency or the pandemic has been um, I think it reiterates the importance of just doing those basics really well um, but still enjoying exercise keeping fit and training hard if you need to for competitive sport. Mm. I think one interesting part to consider in your discussions as well is that impact on um, that mental health side and the stress um, of different situations in the environment and also considering that load as well as your training load. Would you agree with that? Oh, very much so. And we've yeah. sort of focused a bit more on the, the bread and butter around the training loads. And again, it's my area of expertise. Mm. You know, and again, I, I pay respect to those working and we all are our own psychologist in a way and that's you know one of the things about I guess coaching or in the fitness industry you've got a you know a role there to influence you know either private patients or whether you're a junior coach or whether you're in a practitioner role like you and I have been mm -hmm. uh, so how you talk to people and how you present this education material and how we just manage those interactions are really important people know that but again the I guess this current issue just underscores the importance of you know working very closely with people uh, so we all benefit. 
Yeah, I think the big thing here is there's no one answer really, is there, to know, you know, there's not one, okay, do this load and you'll be fine or do this, um, you know, in terms of nutrition and you'll be fine. It's like everyone's going to be very individual and then you've got to take a lot into account of where you are right now, what training load you were doing before this uh, and being really sensible about that increase, like you were saying. Yeah, that's it. And I guess that's the, the final message, isn't there? So, you know, you take this sort of general advice and then you apply it to your own circumstances and that's what we do isn't it in high performance sports so there's a lot of general information out there and you know every sport is the same but every sport is different as well so i'd say yeah you you get good advice and think how it applies to your situation Mm -hmm. work closely with the people around you fantastic thank you so much Piney, for joining us i will link all the things that you talked about tonight um with uh your show notes and making sure that you've got some of your key papers in there as well um but really appreciate your time thank you so so much and enjoy the rest of your week thanks alicia and good eating and good training (laughs) always Thank you so much to everyone for listening into this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and gained some really nice insights. I know I learned some things today um, as well. So just a reminder, we have the conference coming up at the end of this month, the 30th of April and the 1st of May. So make sure you lock in those dates and follow the link to the conference page to um, lock in your spot and purchase your tickets. Uh, All proceeds are heading towards some amazing projects in athlete wellbeing and also sports nutrition projects. So it's going to be something that really benefits a really big crowd. And also if anything resonated with you today um, and you're really wanting to see what individualized support would look like for you and you're wanting to really work on not only your immune function over this time but also some really key habits when it comes to performance nutrition and overall health then we do have a free assessment over on our website um, at www.competenutrition.com with an eat at the end of compete Uh, and we will get back to you in person with some key things that you can work on from today um, to get your progress and your journey started so thank you so much again for listening guys until next one have an amazing day and we will chat soon. Cheers.